Good Bone Health makes active aging possible. Join us for inspiring conversations from diverse perspectives in osteoporosis from patients, healthcare providers, caregivers, policymakers, researchers, advocates, and innovators. Protect your ability to live your best life. The information and opinions expressed in Bone Talk are not intended to replace the services of trained and qualified health professionals or to be a substitute of medical advice of physicians. You may review the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation's full medical disclaimer at bonehealthandosteoporosis.org. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Bone Talk. I'm Claire Gill, CEO of the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation. When it comes to helping individuals manage their pain, pharmacists have an important role to play, particularly for patients with chronic conditions like osteoporosis. Today, pharmacist Josh Rimini and BHOF trustee Dr. Kathleen Shoemaker are joining me to talk about trends in pharmacist-patient communication and how the pharmacy profession is working to ensure patients can live healthy, empowered lives. Josh is a member of the National Community Pharmacists Association and runs a pharmacy in Charlotte, North Carolina. Dr. Schumacher is currently treasurer of the Board of Trustees of the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation and has held various professional positions within healthcare, health plans, and industry, leading strategic goals for quality, research, and education. Josh and Dr. Schumacher, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm yes, glad to absolutely. be here. Thanks for having us. Great. So let's get started. So when we think about conditions like osteoporosis, what role do pharmacists have in awareness or screening or diagnosis? And how has that role changed in recent years? For example, with, with telehealth. Josh, let's start with you. What do you think the role has been for pharmacists in helping patients with osteoporosis and with chronic pain manage their condition? Yeah, well, it's, it's a great starter question because we always think of the pharmacist as the dispenser of medications, right? And so dispensing the medications to treat or prevent or slow down the progression of things like osteoporosis or treating chronic pain is, is inferred, right? We do that. But I think what's really important is the pharmacist's ability to be one, a frontline healthcare provider for these patients to assess awareness, assess of the things that they can be doing, the patient can be doing, that's also contributory to their benefit. So looking at lifestyle, looking at diet, looking at the things that they could take outside of the prescription realm is really where I think the future is moving for the pharmacist, especially as we become less dependent or have more issues with primary care, right? And so I think this is a big piece that I think is going to be, as we move towards the future, what's going to be really important because awareness is number one. Yeah, Kathleen, anything to add to that? Yeah, I was, uh, I definitely agree with Josh. And, you know, pharmacy practice has significantly changed and continues to change. And pharmacists practice now in different settings that may touch our patients, the patient with osteoporosis or a risk of osteoporosis. So retail pharmacists see patients on treatment, but they also see patients with chronic conditions that might give them an increased risk for osteoporosis, such as diabetes or breast cancer, asthma and COPD. And 
we have pharmacists now that work in clinics and some pharmacies in what's called ambulatory care. And Josh was talking uh, about some of the practices that they do. And they see these higher risk patients as they work through and manage medication. And even many pharmacists now are certified in the management of chronic disease, such as asthma and diabetes and HIV. Infusion center pharmacists see our patients for some of their treatments. And managed care pharmacists find these patients by using big data sets and providing medication management to patients with chronic conditions. So And it's a reach, but wouldn't it be great if the hospital pharmacist rounding with the inpatient fracture team or the long-term care pharmacist could be tapped to help? So the pharmacist is on the patient care team and is usually, as Josh mentioned, the most accessible for answering questions and helping patients manage their medicines. I love that. And I don't think we as patients understand that enough. I think, as you said, just we we associate it with dispensing of the medications that we have and ensuring that we're getting the right medication and the right dose. But as far as being part of that care team, I think that's really interesting. I was thinking on the first time it really connected for me, I have another chronic disease and I was managing that and I was having a side effect, which caused like severe flushing. And for those of you who have actually seen me, I'm incredibly pale. So my, you know, completely Irish. So when I flushed, it was full up my face, really, really red. And I was stopped at the pharmacy counter and said, I'm having this reaction to my medication for this disease. I don't know what to do about this. And it was the pharmacist who was like, okay. And he immediately like looked up what was happening with you know what my medication was and something. He's like, yes, this is a normal side effect. So let's talk about how we reduce that. And it was really simple. I needed to take an aspirin. And I was thinking Benadryl, like I would have gone to some other kind of medication stuff. And he's like, no, you need to take an aspirin with the medication and see if that helps. And that was it immediately. And it helped me stay compliant on my treatment. And it would never, like I said, I was going to have to call my doctor. I was going to do this. Gonna, so I just think this is such a great topic today because it is something that we have this great resource right in our, you know, either in the, the clinic that you go to, as you said, or your retail store, there's pharmacies within the supermarkets now. And we don't realize that we have these healthcare professionals who can answer a lot of these questions and help us manage the condition. So. I really love that we're we're talking about this. So Josh, we're September is pain awareness month. It's a great time obviously to focus on the fact that many people do experience pain, sometimes, you know, occasional, sometimes chronic. What are some common questions or concerns that patients bring to you regarding the use of over-the-counter prescription medicines for pain? Over-the-counter and prescription medicines, I should say, for pain. The interesting piece is generally, I always teach this in my mentoring for pharmacists and wellness is we try to give them what they want, right? We sell them what they want, but then we give them what they need. And sometimes those two things are very different. And so when somebody's coming to you for pain, it's usually the surface level thing. Like I have this thing with the thing, right? And help me for it. And the questions always are, I take this prescription, does it interfere? with me choosing 
this stuff that's over the counter, which means it's direct to consumer. There's no professional guidance that's technically needed. So we appreciate the fact that our relationship with our customers and our clients and our patients are, hey, trust us to help you guide there. We're in pain awareness month. And the first piece of awareness is a lot of these things have multiple ingredients in them and they can cross or multiply based on especially acetaminophen, of course, right? We want to talk about that because there's Tylenol or acetaminophen in everything, right? And so we want to make sure that we're not using one to the other. They Generally, if they have a chronic condition and it's for pain, there's some level of management that they've probably initiated. And then it may not be enough, right? That's sometimes what people are coming to us for is like, hey, I'm on this, but I'm still not there. And so I usually always ask sort of like, can you get a little why question in there, a little more why question in there? Because I think we start get to that root cause of what's going on. And we talk to, I always say, well, what can I be offering them as a solution to their pain point or their pain at this, this is their pain, right? Pain point is what can we be doing that they probably hadn't thought of as it relates to that, right? Similarly, if someone comes into me for something for sleep, I always ask the question of how's your stress, not just let's get you to sleep. So what are they doing that could be contributing to that level of pain or what they're maybe the signals they're not putting in? Diet's huge. Exercise can be huge. These are things that they hadn't really thought of because they're always, we've been programmed, right? That if I have a thing, a condition that this pill will fix me, right? And so they always ask for what's the thing on the outside to help me, which is a good start. But then we continue that conversation and we say, well, what else can we be doing? You know, I always put that functional lens or that wellness lens to it that says, what else could the patient be doing that could be also helpful to that? It's a mixed bag because pharmacists are also the most accessible healthcare practitioner. You can walk into a door and talk to someone. That's very rare in the post-COVID world. You know, I know we all have frustrations with how long it takes to get to a medical provider. So our phones go off the hook all the time because we are accessible. Yeah. It's a blessing and a curse, right? But that awareness, that conversation can be started is like, all right, let's be careful. So I love the conversations and I, I I encourage them because think about all the conversations that aren't happening, especially with the consumer facing side of social media and all these things where people are going and they're buying and they're doctor Googling things that may be harmful to them versus going to a professional. So I think as pharmacists and like you said, Claire, as patients, we sort of take that relationship for granted because it's so accessible and it's so valuable. Just think of that pain or osteoporosis question we had, right? What if we could identify and just start the conversation with those patients to screen them, right? That one step could change a life. I think as pharmacists, Kathleen and I can probably agree, we remember those conversations we had where we caught that Mm -hmm. thing with one simple question and it changed the trajectory of their pathway. And so those, those are what we're looking for in the new era of pharmacies. How do we capture those and create value in that? That makes sense. And yeah, and Kathleen, along the same thing on the thing about pain awareness, it is 
really important to tell people that whenever they're prescribed something, they do need to check about the interaction with over-the-counter treatments, right? Because as you know, Josh mentioned, there might be doubling up on stuff. So is there something, again, when the pharmacist, when you have a new prescription, that do you check with patients to say, hey, by the way, if you're on this medication, you now shouldn't take acetaminophen or you shouldn't take something else over the counter? Well, that's a big thing that you just brought up here. And I'll tell you why. And and Josh, I have also practiced retail pharmacy for for quite a while just to keep my hand in it. So of course, there's a little sheet of paper that comes out with every, you know, prescription and it's barely readable, right? And somewhat understandable, but uh, not as much. I think, and Josh brings this up too, is what's important is that whoever is on the care team, especially for our patients, they should really help them make a plan for when they're going to be ill, for how to manage, for, you know, whatever could come about, especially as we come into a cold and flu season, so that our patients are prepared. I mean, I just think that this is so important. Patients with diabetes have been doing this like their whole life. They're totally prepared for, you know, if they come down with a cold or whatever they do, they know how to adjust their insulin and what they need to do and who to call. I think this is really, really an important thing. And Josh brings it up, selling them what they want, but then giving them what they need. And moving forward, that every clinician on the care team should be working with our patients, screening them, asking them, you know, educating them to keep a list of their meds and all the OTCs that they're taking so that you can have these conversations and really, really understand the patient a little bit more easily. Because again, you know, when they walk into a pharmacy, it's like a quick 15 minute conversation that you try to pull a lot of information out. And Josh with his pharmacy probably has regular patients who he schedules appointments with and such. And especially with Medicare, patients see a lot of different doctors and they can actually self-direct in Medicare. So it's almost enables that, right? So now they have all these different doctors and all these different Mm -hmm. prescriptions and they can go in and out of different health systems that don't share data. And so that pharmacist there at the point of service is the one that can really help answer some of these questions as they come in. I hope I answered the question. It was all over the place, but (laughs) I was just trying to affirm what Josh is seeing in his day-to-day practice and how it actually gets implemented when you're face-to-face with the patient. Yeah, that's so important, as you said. And I find it the same way. If you do have multiple doctors, and many people do, particularly women, you might have your primary care, you might have a gynecologist, they might have others, and they don't necessarily talk. So when each one is prescribing something, the one person Mm -hmm. who sees all of those on a regular basis are actually the pharmacists who Mm -hmm. are looking at it. So they're a great person to go to for those questions. So in addition to Pain Awareness Month. September is also a falls prevention time. And I'm wondering, Josh, if you see or how you manage it, as you said, you know, in a post-COVID world, sometimes the pharmacist is the only the only clinician that we're seeing. But what do you do when a patient maybe can't make it into the pharmacy 
do you, are there other ways? How do they, do they just do telehealth, like kind of conversations with you as well? How do you manage that? That's a great question. Well, one, backing up a little bit, what he was saying is like multiple practitioners. Well, we also have to talk about the conversation of patients using multiple pharmacies, right? So they might be getting forced mail order over here, which I hate, by the way, we should never limit anyone's access. If they want to use it, great. But I think there's a real need for, you know, and then there's the whole component of data sharing. But if you go to one hub, one pharmacy, we can reconcile everything. And that's really important when we have multiple providers, multiple chronic conditions, we tend to ologist our world, right? Mm-hmm. There's an ologist for everything now. And so hubbing that is really important. That's step one is how do we gather that information, that data? And then how do we get that data back to them? So like you said, if they're homebound or they can't get out or they have increased risks and they're elderly and they're moving in that direction, well, one, we love to say we come see you, right? That's a huge piece of independent community pharmacies is we embrace the fact that we can deliver to you with a person that can provide that service. And then the second piece, which I think we've all used and what I've used in my my wellness platforms is embracing digital, right? We've all gotten used to this whole thing called Zooming and digital world. It's real easy now to get on a face-to-face with someone and it's more useful. You can do it on different timelines. You can expand your reach further. So embracing this digital realm in a way that we can, and there's HIPAA compliant ways to do this. We can text, we can email, we can send videos, and we can have face-to-face one-on-ones through this digital version of our system. I don't prefer it because I love the human connection that I have with someone. And I think that's an underutilized resource in a care plan is having Mm -hmm. someone that's ultimately there for you, that mindset shift that we're being taken care of. I love embracing the placebo effect with my patients and making sure that we can move them in that way because there is a component to that. But it's better than not having any conversation at all. We've all know that with Zoom. What I don't tend to do is do a hybrid of both at the same time, like in-person and Zoom tends to be very little effectiveness. So I kind of like pick your choice, right? So I think that's a really important piece as we move pharmacy awareness and patient care forward. It's easier, it's more accessible, and it's it's being utilized everywhere. So telepharmacy is really consulting patients in that space. I just consulted a pharmacist this morning and talked to them about setting up your calendar with appointments. So you can even have check-ins with your patients and it's not as it's just as easy to hit the zoom button with a screen mm-hmm. and as seeing that patient one-on-one than it is to have the phone call. Right. So we can be embracing that. And I think that is, it's baby steps, but I think we got to take what we learned and what was gifts from COVID. And this is one of them. Like we've all had to embrace this in a way that now we can leverage to make sure that we're moving our patient care in this new direction, in this new paradigm we're seeing. So this is really interesting because I didn't know that you could schedule an appointment with a pharmacist to have questions answered. 
Well, and I don't know if that's something It's funny because that- the pharmacists don't know that either yet. Like it's, <laughs> so I consult and teach pharmacists to move in this direction because we're so used to brick and mortar and, and being so busy, but we pay rent in our pharmacies 24 seven. So we can schedule these things in ways. And the key component of this is there's an embracing moment here that we have to take a look at. It says, if we're doing these things and they're not necessarily billable yet, right? These are consultations for pharmacists that aren't necessarily billable, but that doesn't mean they're not valuable. And so I always tell the pharmacist and the cus- my patients is I'm, I am cheaper than a plumber. So that's something, <laughs> right? So everyone expects a professional consultation to be paid for. So there's no reason we can't charge for that if we're yeah. presenting the patient value. A quick 15-minute consultation could be extremely valuable to that person. Right. So we can't really just say it's free all the time either. We have to make sure that we're getting paid for what we're doing but in a loving way, right? In a way that we can give care back. So I always say I aim for a 5x return on the investment. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, and it was the same thing. It wouldn't be something that you would need a, a regularly scheduled thing about. Like I said, that's not the type of provider, but when those particular questions about medications and combinations that you've been prescribed come up or whatever, or Kathleen, as you said, deciphering what's in that, the, you know, the medication sheet that we get to know that you could actually, and maybe better than just standing at the counter and, and wait and you're trying to get that attention of the busy staff would be, hey, could is there a time that I could come talk to you and ask you some questions? I think is great suggestion for, for patients because they probably don't know it. I have two other kind of questions that I would just thought of as you were talking that kind of goes off a little bit of what we were we were doing, but that's why I love these conversations. One is because I do see that, and it seems like the pharmacy workers, all of them, both the pharmacists themselves and all of their support staff are just so busy. What happens if you want to change pharmacies? So if you've been having all of your prescriptions and your clinician, you know, they always ask you, what's your pharmacy? And you give it to them. What if you're not having a good experience with them and you want to switch to another pharmacy? Do you do that through your clinician and say, hey, I'd like to, well, I mean, that's one, I, I'd like from now on all of my prescriptions to go to this. But if they're the ones that are kind of on constant renewal, you kind of have to do that with the pharmacist. And how do they take that when you say, I'd like all of my prescriptions to now be switched to X pharmacy? Mm. Any suggestions? <laughs> Can I pop in here? Yeah, right, yeah so go for it. I'm going to... Josh, I'm going to just put a little plug in for Flip the Pharmacy. So NCPA has a national program going, and Josh has talked about some of these services. And it's called Flip the Pharmacy. And what it's doing, it's helping community pharmacists to set up and supporting a lot of these programs that are up and running all over in different states, where your community pharmacy provides these types of services. So it's not just filling prescriptions and and there's even a role for just a, a medication management type of pharmacist who has nothing to do with the prescription, right? So NCPA is doing this. It's happening throughout the country. You may have a pharmacy in your area 
that a community pharmacy where you would choose to bring your prescriptions to or actually do do business with that is part of this program. And uh, this model is very desirable. And as you can imagine, right, likely the path of how pharmacy will continue to evolve. Josh, any comments? What do you think? Oh, of course. I'm I love this. I we could talk. This yeah, could be a whole exactly. other episode right here, right? <laughs> right. Because <laughs> you know, this is you're you're feeding my passion place now because this is what I teach. I teach pharmacies nationwide to move beyond right. the pills, right? I'm on the developing opportunities steering committee at NCPA, so we're looking for this. It'll be my third year on this committee to moving pharmacists beyond this. Flip the pharmacy. I love that you mentioned that. Is there are more things The pharmacy 2.0 is moving beyond prescriptions. They're moving patients into what we, like we talked about today, what's the plan, right? Yeah. You have all this stuff going on. What's your plan and let us help you. And so CPESN, flip the pharmacy, you know, might be on the pills accelerator program. Like we have these things moving now that says, because I think what you're getting at Claire is, why would someone shift everything over is because they're getting additional benefit. It's not just the fill and bill, you know, the pill mill that we're used to seeing. And so Kathleen's saying, choose the place that's going to give you value beyond that. What do we do is we usually try to take the burden off the provider and kind of go directly with the pharmacy because that seems to be the path of least resistance. Okay. We have just as much issues getting to doctors as patients do, like they're busy, right? And so if they have an existing prescription, we try to get that transferred over depending on the laws of the state. And then we go directly to the provider if we can. I encourage them. I like, I'm pride myself in saying we don't get that very often in our store unless there's a geographical issue for that, like they've moved because we do all that stuff. We are the, the hub for wellness in our community and we want to make sure that we can be providing that value back to them and that's what's important and so i like to be the recipient on the other side of that and saying yes we'll take them all for you and that's not i always say we start with your prescription we don't end there and that's really important to know and in the awareness of this podcast for our clients listening to this now is we are accessible we have a lot of value that we can bring beyond prescriptions. Yeah. And Kathleen made it a point. These flip the pharmacies, they're sort of certified through mm-hmm. this process. You can't just say, I do all this stuff. They actually do and they mean it. And they've gone through extensive enough training to do that. So there is a distinction between X pharmacy and Y pharmacy now. Yeah. So along those lines, and how would we as consumers know which pharmacies are certified to do, like you said, the, you know, these extra added value things versus ones that in our, because we have a lot of choices. I mean, and that's kind of like, I think as a consumer, that's it. It's one, it depends though, right? Depending on where you are, you may have a lot of choices or not, but again, in a, you know, in a suburban area right next to a major city, there's a lot of choices. And so, you know, what are some of those resources that you would recommend consumers check out to determine the pharmacy that's right for them? Great question. 
I'll tell you what my experience is, is one, if you're not consumer facing with what you offer, that's on us, right? You go to my website, you'll be fully aware that Dilworth Drug is full of wellness. They give all these services, book a strategy session with me on the website. So we've got to embrace that piece. Part of it is, are they aware? The other piece is the consumer side is also like NCPA website, the Flip the Pharmacy, CPSN. These things are available. I am biased because I am a community independent pharmacist and have been for many years. I think they're far and beyond the service level that we expect. They're Mm -hmm. vaccinating. Mm -hmm. They're doing these things that can help. So I always just kind of say, if that's a good starter, it doesn't mean that the other pharmacies are bad. That just means, but you can tell what their emphasis is, is filling prescriptions and getting them fast and quick. Well, if that's what you want, great. But we're here to offer what we can do as pharmacy clinicians further, right? Claire, Kathleen, we're here to talk about what's extra. And not all pharmacies are doing that. And so there's a consumer-facing side, and then there's a professional-facing side. The other piece I would say is I would be talking directly to the practitioners, the, the, the doctors and the nurse practitioners and the PAs, offering these as well. Do we do diabetes education? Do we do weight loss management? Do we do mm. vaccines? Do we do these things? So to me, it's a duality is can we get to the provider to give them the awareness so they can recommend to us? Mm -hmm. And then can we talk to the patient side of it? One is if we're embracing this digital realm and world, our website should be our, it's our digital living room. It's where people are looking for what we're doing. So that should be consumer facing enough to say, thanks, this is what we do. So that's kind of my, my long winded answer to that one. What do you think, Kathleen? Yeah, I support this. And thinking about community pharmacy, you know, our patients tend to be complex, right? And there are, you know, Mm -hmm. clinic, clinic pharmacies, many clinic pharmacies run these programs. I know the clinic that I work with actually employs ambulatory care pharmacists, and then they refer patients for medication management. And this is coordinated through the clinician's office, the physician's office, or nurse practitioner. So, and they say, you know, as soon as they fill up somebody's time, they hire another one. So that's a growing model. Clinic pharmacies and outpatient also provide some of these services. And, you know, you'll see every now and then you'll see, you know, Kroger is doing a diabetes management something or other, right? So I believe maybe one of the role for bone health is to help build awareness for our complex patients that, that there are these services and maybe we can think about, well, how would one of our patients find these services, either maybe through our fracture liaison services, they might have identified, figured out a way to identify pharmacies to work with. I mean, I, I think like Josh says, it's, uh, you know, the internet is just what it is, right? And there's so much, you know, junk science on there. It's hard to differentiate, you know, what's, Mm -hmm. what's good and what's not. So I think, you know, our role is to 
work with the patients, you know, and an, a good example is the know your dose campaign, right? So, but other, think of other examples, other ways that we can help our patients find these pharmacies and services, make those plans that they need and get their questions answered, you know, as, as they need. Yeah. I think if I could add one more piece, because we're talking about developing these programmings is another key piece to this is delivering the programming, right? A lot of what we're trying to leverage now is group-based programming. So we don't have to just necessarily be one-on-one. We can have a group-based program where we're learning from our peers, osteoporosis, pain. These are great examples where we could take the, and we can lower the cost. Imagine virtual doing 25 people in one week session. Well, each one of those could be paying maybe $10 for that appointment, mm-hmm. but we're spreading that out 25 so that that can effectively help the pharmacist financially and leveraging their time. And the Cleveland Clinic has done the study that shows our patients learn from our peers more than they do learn from just the one-on-one with the clinician. So it benefits right. them more and it's less expensive and we're getting it down to that copay, right? If people That's- can, we can get this cost down to the copay, which they're used to already paying, we could get a win-win out of it. That's a great idea. And I think certainly as we continue to look at new ways to bring about better follow-up for osteoporosis patients involving the pharmacy industry in uh, in getting pharmacists and as clinicians involved is going to be really, really important. I want to note for our listeners that we'll make sure that in the notes to this podcast, we'll have links to some of those organizations that Kathleen and that Josh mentioned for resources about how to find the pharmacist in your area who might be providing these programs. So we'll make sure that we have those links included because I think that's going to be really, really important. And I know we could go on about this forever, but we we have a shorter kind of time frame on the podcast. So I have two final questions. One, I think is really important. At least I found it important. What do patients do or what should they do with medications that they're either done with, or we'll give a recent example for me, my doctor changed the dose of one of my medications, yet the lower dose was still on auto renewal. And when I get the notice to auto renew, I just say yes, because I'm not even sure what medication they're you know referring to. And so now I have double the medication, one in the right dose, one in a low dose, what should I do? I just hang on to that and try to use it up? Or sh- is there something I should have a conversation with a pharmacist to say, this isn't right? What do I do with this medication? <laughs> Great question. Tox day. <laughs> so, and seriously, there is in your community for the meds that you should clean out your cabinets, for the meds that you're not going to use, there's a most communities. Sometimes it's at the high school or it's through the police department. They have what's called tox day and you take those old prescriptions in and they will dispose of them there. You return them. Yeah. Okay. And then some pharmacies will actually have mailers. Usually that costs something. So you'll have to, you put the prescription in, they mail it off to somewhere and destroy it there. As far as, as uh, switching doses, I don't know, Josh. 
I'm always kind of double up and use the old and then switch to the new, but that can be really confusing. And in a complex patient, it's probably not the best advice. Any thoughts on that? Great questions, by the way. These are amazing. So thanks you for just asking them because one, don't throw your old medicine in the garbage, right? There's Prozac in the watershed because of this, right? We don't want unused medicines going in the garbage. We have a Dispose My Meds program in my store. We have a a place where people just bring it and put it in the thing. We pay for it to be disposed of and incinerated properly. So we can add that link, Claire, like where people can go. The police stations often do it because they want to get opiates out, but you can bring any unused meds. We offer that service to our community. You don't even have to be our customer. It's like out in front of the store. It's a lockable container and we send that out regularly. So it's amazing how many unused medicines there are. As far as auto renewing, you can stop that process, not to stop auto renew, but if what if you were going to a pharmacist that was checking in with your entire profile once a month? We call it synchronization in pharmacy. This is a new a new thing that's been catching on over the years. But if we were synchronized and we caught you proactively and says, Claire, you're up for your meds, everything's up, and then you got your new prescription, we would short fill that to synchronize into your fills. Kathleen's great when she recommends, let's not waste medicine if we can double up because they have the cognitive ability to do so. We Mm -hmm. just have to document on both sides what is happening so we don't miss compliance and we miss a step. So there will be a few steps in order for that to happen. And I think if we have the agreements and expectations met, that would be great. So I would love to synchronize our patients versus the standard, let's just fill an auto it because that creates an upfront proactive conversation before we even start dispensing the next months. And then the other one is, dispose of them properly, 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 properly. We are so advanced in our day and age that it's it's entirely possible for you to go to the pharmacy or go to the police station. Don't put it in the water. Don't get it in the gland fills. Don't get these unnecessary medicines in any particular shape or form in our bodies if we don't need. And most health plans... I was just going to pop in here. Most health plans and state Medicaid's will support what he calls med synchronization. So because of course, you know, you get the 30 day supply, you can't get it filled too early, blah, blah, blah. So they have the policies in place to help Josh and pharmacists to synchronize that. So just think how great it would be to run out of all of your meds at the same time, they all come at the same time and then you're on, you're synchronized, right? So you're not, you're able to better track what it is that you're taking and your pharmacists and healthcare providers are also better able to track what it is that you're doing. And it's proactive. That's the piece. Well, I think this is a great time as we're talking to about all of these awareness months, right? Both fall prevention and the the pain awareness and stuff. It might be that, you know, the awareness of you should do a check-in with your pharmacist at least once a year to see are all your medications at the right amount, the most, you know, current 
dosage, mm-hmm. all of those things and being able to do that. I, there are programs, as you said, about synchronization where, you know, make fewer trips so that they'll all be ready at the same time. And that's terrific. But I think for most consumers, if mine would be just make sure I'm getting the right medication and that I'm not getting prescriptions refilled that I don't need refilled. Right. But we have to be active as consumers to say, hey, that's no longer part of my treatment plan. And so that, you know, having that conversation and that check-in to update our meds that are already in the pharmacist database is going to be really, really important. Okay. So we have time. One last question. What is the most important thing you want patients to know about treating their symptoms with over-the-counter or prescription medicines? What's that one really big takeaway you think? I'll start with you, Josh. The biggest thing, the one that resonates with me the most is don't do it yourself. (laughs) Like we're asking the biggest question, right? The biggest question is, I think in a health and a wellness journey for patients, they need a guide, some level of guide that's helping them through that process. All the things we talked about today can be utilized by having a guide. The best of the best in the world have a coach. Mm -hmm. Like Michael Jordan had a coach. He had plenty of coaches. So we shouldn't take for granted our health and wellness, both of them, healthcare and less sick care and well care. Find your guide. Find your person that's going to be the person that's guiding you along the way because it's going to save you time. It's going to save you money, even if you're paying for that service, right? It's going to save you time, money, and energy and safety. It's going to get you your outcomes faster, just like a mentor, right? When we have a mentor guiding us, we're going to get there faster, quicker, easier, and usually more fun. So that would be my one, one, one. That's great. Kathleen, what's your takeaway? (laughs) You know, I don't know if I can top that. And what I think is really interesting, of course, the Know Your Dose has some wonderful patient awareness tools you know, bone health, we have some really great discussions about using OTCs. And then we even have the link out onto the National Institute of Health, right? But if you read between the lines, it says, talk to your clinician, which is basically what Josh said, find a guide. Because it's great to have awareness, but it's information, right? So how do you consume that information? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's complex. It's information. We have complex patients, you know. And if you again, if you read between the lines, it says exactly what Josh says: find a guide, find your clinician, find your coach to help you work through this, mm-hmm. and make a plan. <laughs> yeah, that's the and there, Kathleen. Right? It's not like I have to do one thing because the other piece that you talk to, which is super important as well, is empowering the patient to be their own guide in their journey. We're coaching them along the way, but they're in the driver's seat. So that empowerment to learn and grow, not rely on me to fix the problem. I Like the guide in the journey isn't fixing them. They're on their own path. So empowering the patient to educate themselves and then using someone on the side to help guide them through that is the sweet spot. So I think it's and for that. 
So I love that we have these organizations like this one to give that resource out. But the DIY approach is 23% effective. When you have a guide for accountability as well, it's 83% effective. So let's flip that script around to that 80% effectiveness by doing both. Yeah. Yeah. This has been so fascinating and so helpful for me personally, and I'm sure for our (laughs) listeners. And as we said, there are so many more things we could talk about. So we'll be sure to have you guys back for another episode of Bone Talk, and we can continue this conversation. I think my big takeaway from this conversation is to make sure that my pharmacist is part of my care team. And I think that is a great way to think of our, you know, our community pharmacists and our pharmacists is, is, and honestly, I hadn't thought of it that way prior to this conversation. And I'm so glad that you've clued me in and corrected me that, you know, I knew it was essential for obviously obtaining my medicine, but not for discussing that care plan. So I, I love this. So thank you all so much for listening. Um, Thanks to Josh and Dr. Shoemaker. Thank you so much for being with me today and sharing your insights and the role that pharmacists play in supporting patients, particularly our patients with osteoporosis. As I mentioned, we'll have links to the resources and materials associated with this episode at bonetalk.org. And for more information about how to keep your bones strong and healthy for life, please visit us at bonehealthandosteoporosis.org. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did, please do two things. First, subscribe to Bone Talk so you never miss episode. And two, please share this information with your family and friends. Thank you again to my wonderful guests and thank you for listening. Thank you for joining Bone Talk, the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation's podcast that shares information, strategies, and inspiration about good bone health that makes active aging possible. To learn more about bone health, to become involved, and or help fuel BHOF's mission with financial support, visit bonehealthandosteoporosis.org.